it's such an honor. It's such an honor and such a privilege. Uh, I was just thinking about this this morning, to be able to, to bring the word to you. And it's kind of an overwhelming task because in the process of preparing a message, uh, two things happen. One is I want to do a good job. And number two, there is something that God is doing in my heart. So when, I, when I'm giving this message, it's also something that God is working inside of me. So it's, um, it's kind of a, a challenge, but it's also uh, a big privilege. Um, some of you know this, uh, our encounter group, with is our, which is our youth ministry, they're in camp right now, and they're probably on their way down now. Uh, they're usually sitting in these two front rows, so we're going to uh, do a prayer for them also for their safety, and so that everything uh, that happened during this weekend will have been helpful to them, and that their hearts will have been open uh, to be able to receive what God has for each, um, each one of them. Also, how many of you guys want to go to Ecuador with me? Nobody? Okay, look at those hands. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you commit right now to our Ecuador trip. It's in June. Uh, no, honestly, if you're thinking about it, I don't know if you know this, but Ecuador was struck with an earthquake in 2016. Uh, 700 people uh, were, um, were dead and 100,000 people were actually left homeless. And so Ecuador is still in the process of rebuilding um, their country. And at the same time, there's a, there's a ministry there that's building churches. So at the same time as they're rebuilding their country, they're also rebuilding uh, churches and rebuilding hope. And so we get to be a part of this. We've been partnering with this um, ministry uh, for about 15 years now. And if you're interested in going to Ecuador with us in June, I'm actually going to go with my son, Matthew. We have an informational meeting next week after this service. Uh, right after this service, an informational meeting uh, in the cafe. We're going to explain everything that has to do with this trip. And if uh, finances is an issue or if there's any issue, we can talk that through. And we believe that if God is calling you to go, he's going to make that happen for you. So I think that this is going to be great. I'm super excited. And so today, we're actually finishing our series um, called How to Be Happy. And next week, we're starting a brand new series. Um, and it is called First Love. First Love. And you might have... Um, uh, have a little um, postcard that has the, the first love. It has a little cassette tape on there. And the reason why we decided to do that is because when I think about, um, about love and about like those lo love stories that you have as a teenager, I think about the cassette tapes. You know, you're thinking about that girl that you like and all that kind of stuff. But the interesting thing about this uh, series in particular is that we're going to be talking about uh, our first love with God. Now, when you get married, um, there's that first love. And then time goes by, and things tend to, to change a little bit. Things maybe get a little bit stagnant. And it's good to recapture that first love. So the same thing can happen with us in our relationship with God. Maybe you look back in your life, and you're like, man, there was a time in my life when I was so on fire for God. And we're going to be talking about that. How can we recapture or revitalize our first love with God. So for now, we're going to finish uh, this uh, sermon series, and it's based on the, on the Sermon on the Mount. And so we go to uh, Matthew chapter 5, and it says this. Let's, let's, um, let's read this. It says this, Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed 
blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward where? Here? In heaven, right? For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So today we're going to talk about this whole idea of blessed to be merciful, blessed to be merciful, happy to be merciful, rich it, it, to be merciful. So let's pray. We're going to ask God to, to speak to us this morning. Lord God, we thank you so much for the, the, the opportunity that you give us to be able to hear your word, God. I pray, Lord, that uh, this message will be helpful to us. I pray that our hearts will be open to hear what it is that you have to say, Lord. I pray that we'll be able to just take this moment and take a deep breath and forget about everything that we're carrying right now. Every worry, every concern, everything that is weighing on us right now, we, we just take a pause right now because we just want to hear from you. And we pray this and we thank you for this moment that you allow us to share. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Okay. So here's a question. Has anything, has anything unfair ever happened to you? Yes, you're laughing because it's true, right? It's, it's happened. Now, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I'm going to share a little bit about me. Uh, I tend to be like a passive driver. Like I don't almost ever honk my horn, which is interesting because I grew up in a culture in South America uh, where everyone just lays on their horns for everything. And now not honking my horn often enough, is it's good and it's bad because sometimes there'll be something happening in front of you with a car in front of you and the car behind you honks the horn and the guy in front of you thinks that you honked at him, but it's not me. And that's happened to me on several occasions. In fact, I don't know exactly what happened. I can't really remember the details of it, but there was something happening with the car in front of me and the car in front of me wasn't doing the thing that he was supposed to do. And uh, my wife was like, just honk the horn. I'm like, no, no, and maybe someone from church. I don't want to be embarrassed, you know, not because I'm actually a good guy, just because I want to give a good image to you. But that's a whole other subject. But, but so the person was doing something, and I was supposed to honk my horn, and I didn't honk my horn. And then the person behind me honked the horn really, really loud. And the person in front of me thought that I was doing it. So he rolls his window down and gives me the finger. And I'm looking, I'm like, and I'm like, no, I'm just going like that, like it's not me. And then he thinks that I'm gesturing something negative to him, so he gets even more mad at me. That was unfair. Completely unfair, because I was completely innocent. Now, unfair things happen to us all the time. It happens to us in life. It happens to us in work. It happens to us in our family, in our relationships. In fact, I have a fantasy in my life that everything just pans out the way I want it to pan out. Did you guys ever see the A-team? The A-team, remember the A-team? And so there was always chaos at the beginning, and then there was something in the middle, and then at the end there was resolution. And then Hannibal, what was the phrase that Hannibal would say at the end? I love it. When a plan comes together, right? Anyone? I would love it if life was like that. In fact, I have an image that I want to show you. Uh, it's on the big screen. So if you're watching this on video, it's on the big screen. So I'm going to have to explain it a little bit. So on the left hand, there's what I plan. So I have a plan, right, for my life. And then on the right hand, you will see what actually happened. And so I, my fantasy is the left one, but that fantasy has never actually come true. Take marriage, for example. You get married. You have a whole plan for your life. 
You have a plan about how your finances are going to be. You have a plan about how your time's going to be managed. You have, a t- you have a plan onto everything that you would love for your marriage to be, but all of a sudden you discover that a marriage is of two people, and it's not just about you. And so you have to make some changes in your life. You see, things don't always pan out the way we want. Things aren't exactly the way we want. Sometimes there are things that are unfair that we disagree with. But we can get confused because the same thing can happen in our Christian walk. So we have an idea of what Christianity should be. And we have this idea that when we become Christians and we become followers of Jesus, that our life is going to pan out or that we can, we can do something and then we get something in return and then we do that and then God does that and then we do that and then God does that. Because we remember, you know, Phrases like you reap what you sow, you give and shall be given to you. You give love and you receive love. And the reason, the reason why I share this is because when we look at the verse that we're talking about, it talks about the whole idea of mercy in Matthew 5, 7. It says this. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so we can assume that this is, this is sort of like a formula. So you, you give mercy, and then as a result of the mercy that you give, then that person is going to give you mercy in return. Almost like a vending machine. You put the money in, you put the code in, and then you get what you put the code in for. And if you don't, either you put the wrong money in, or you put the wrong code in, or something's wrong with the machine. And you end up shaking the machine, or you end up kicking the machine trying to make the thing work. And sometimes we think that that's the way our Christianity should be. We see our life with Christ or life with God or life in the church as sort of like this transaction to where we give this and then we receive that. And so the reason why I bring that up is because that could happen with this verse. So it says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. So we all want mercy, right? So what do we do to get mercy? We show mercy. Simple, right? But what happens when we don't get mercy in return? What happens when we give mercy and then that mercy is not reciprocated to us? Does it mean that the verse is wrong? Does it mean that God is a liar? Does it mean that the Bible isn't true? Sometimes we even get mad at God when he doesn't respond the way we do. We can walk away or almost like, quote unquote, kick God because he's not working the way we have made him to believe that he should work? Or is there something else going on here? You see, one of the things that is so important that we need to understand is context. Context. When you read the Bible, you have to understand context, which means you have a verse, and then you have to read the verse that's before it, and then you have to read the verse that's after it. It is so important because us preachers, we understand that you can really make the Bible say anything that you want it to say. If you take a verse out of context, let me give you an example. If you're reading a letter, you have this letter, and then you only, you only read one section of the letter, and that one section of the letter that you're reading says, I hate bananas, right? And then what's, what would you assume that the letter is about? It's a letter about a guy who hates bananas. But then you pull out a little bit, and you read the whole context, and the letter could read something like this. And I quote, I heard a guy say, I hate bananas, and I couldn't understand how someone could hate bananas because bananas are my absolute favorite fruit. And so you pull back and you understand the context, and it's actually the opposite of what you thought it was. You thought it was about a guy that hated bananas, but then you realize when you read the context that it is actually about a guy who loves bananas. 
And I know that's a very basic example, but it's true because we can take verses out of context and make the Bible say whatever it is that we want, to say, want it to say. So the reason why I say this is because this verse can be very confusing. It could be misinterpreted when it is taken out of its context. So let's pull back a little bit and let's look at the context. So Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount and he's giving a whole introduction through the first 12 verses. And he's talking about things about being poor in spirit, hunger for righteousness, those who mourn. And then there's a, re there's a promise of a resolution at the end of each of one of these phrases. But what is that resolution? What is the resolution that is being promised? Inherit the earth, see God, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, reward in heaven. So in the context of what we're reading, we understand that what he's saying is with a view of eternity. Does that make sense? Like we're seeing things from a view of eternity, not the, the thing that we're going to receive in the moment that we give it. So it's an invitation to zoom out and to look at the bigger picture, to, to look at it from a bigger picture perspective in view of eternity. Having a view of, of eternity is so important in our Christian walk. So important that we understand that we have to see things from a broader perspective. Because this world, and you've already discovered it, will not satisfy us. If we expect from others or we expect everything in return as a result of what we put into it, we will never be satisfied. There's a, books, a book by uh, Max Lakato. I can't remember the name of the book, but it's this whole idea of a fish. Maybe you've heard this before. It's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty common story. So there's this fish. And the, the, fish, is, is, um, the fish is out in the, in the sand on the beach. And so the question is, there's a fish there. He's trying to, you know, trying to breathe and trying to, you know survive and then the question is will a fish ever be happy on the beach the answer is no well what if you fill that fish up with a bunch of money you put a bunch of money around it no right what if you sit the beach on a, on the you sit, you sit the, the the fish on a beach chair no what if you give it a martini no right why because the fish was not made for the beach the fish was made for the water, for the ocean. You see, the same thing is true for us. When we think, even in our Christian walk, when we think that we are going to be satisfied by what this world has to offer, even when it comes to receiving mercy from others or thinking about the fact that we should be subject to the mercy that we receive, and then as a result of that, we should give that mercy out, it's very important to understand that that's never going to satisfy us because people will always disappointed will we'll always disappoint us. Hebrews 13 talks about the whole idea of this earth not being our home. And we should think about that in everything that we do, especially when it comes to mercy. When it comes to mercy. You see, when it comes to mercy, it's the same thing. We, we can't assume that we will be happy by waiting to receive mercy in order to, to give it. We need a deeper motivation. We need to think in light of eternity, we, have to ask, we always have to ask this question, in light of eternity. Which takes me to a whole new interpretation of the, first of all, of the Bible, and specifically of this verse that I want us to look at right now. It's Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses, uh, starting in verse 38, it says, it's a very interesting verse, it says, You, you have heard that it, that it was said, 
an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. In other words, you have heard that it was said just justice. If this person owes you something, well, he needs to pay back what he owes you, right? Uh, and then verse 39 says, but I tell you, he says, do not resist the evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Uh, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is a tough verse. This is a really tough verse as it relates to mercy. Because it almost seems like what he's saying is that we should let the world walk all over us. In fact, we should welcome it. It seems like that's what it's saying. But there's a huge misunderstanding when it comes to our Christian walk. Because sometimes we think that our Christian walk is supposed to be weak. It's supposed to be passive. It's supposed to be soft. And, and sometimes we see Jesus, even in some of the art, as this, this person who is just weak, who has no strength, who's just like, oh, like that. And that is such a big misunderstanding. We have to understand that when this image of, of turning the other cheek is a defiant thing that we're called to do. It's almost like what comes to mind is like Rocky. Like when he's being beat up and he's like, is that all you got? Come on, let's go. Give me more. That's what I think about. It's not weak. It's, such, it's so important. You see, let's unpack this whole idea. Being slapped in the face is probably one of the most humiliating things that anyone can go through. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever been slapped in the face, but I think we've all been humiliated, right? Friends, family, your boss, a parent. Maybe there's a person in your life right now that you think about that person, and just the thought of that person makes you cringe because they hurt you. In your past, maybe it's in your present. Maybe this person took something from you. Maybe this person abused you. Maybe there was an injustice that happened to you. There was an act of violence. Maybe this person shamed you. Maybe this person made you feel guilty. Maybe there's a person in your life right now. And it's a terrible feeling to be humiliated. And now our natural response is to give back with the same token, to do the same thing, an eye for an eye. What's fair is fair, right? We just have to get even. If you insult me, I'll insult you back. If you speak behind my back, I'm going to do the same thing to you. You know, if you punch me, I'm going to punch you. If you take my job, I'll take yours. If you shoot my family member, I'm going to... So it just kind of continues and it increases. And, and this, this type of response seems to be a sign of strength. It seems obvious, it seems obvious that it's a sign of strength because you're responding to what the person is doing to you. And not responding sounds like you're just being weak. But what you're actually doing when you respond with the same thing is that you're letting that person determine the rules of the game. When you turn the other cheek, what you're doing is you're shocking the system. You're stopping a pattern. You're throwing a wrench and the gears. When you turn the other cheek, you're not being weak. What you're saying is, I'm not playing by these rules. I'm not going to continue this violence. You see, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How defiant is that? It also seems weak, right? But it's not. This is strength. 
Romans 12, 17 says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Your enemy, if he's hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, being merciful is actually a sign of great strength, especially toward our enemies. I'll tell you three quick stories about this. David and Saul. Saul was persecuting David because Saul was jealous of David. Tried to kill him twice and David was just kept, you know, serving him as, as his king. And then David found this opportunity to kill Saul. And it was almost like an orchestrated moment to where it was perfect. He could just go and kill Saul. And what did he do? He stepped back. He says, no, I'm going to let mercy win. Then we got Stephen, who's being stoned to death. What does he say to the people who are stoning? What is, what is his prayer when they're stoning him to death? What does he say? He says, Lord, do not take into consideration their sin. And then we have Jesus, of course, when he's dying on the cross. He says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, when we think about this, you, you, may, you may ask the following question is like, well, when it comes to David, why, why, would, why would he do this if there was no guarantee that he was ever going to get mercy back from Saul? Stephen, when he was being stoned to death, why would he say this merciful prayer when he, didn't, he was never going to get mercy from the people that were stoning him? When Jesus himself was dying on the cross and he says, Forgive them for they know not what they do, knowing that the people that were crucifying him would never give him that mercy back. See, we could ask the same question. When we think about the people who have hurt us, you may say, why should I give this person any mercy if they're never going to return this mercy? It's almost like I'm going to give them mercy and it's going to end there. Why should I even bother? So that's why it's so important for us to understand in view of eternity, in view of eternity. We need to step back and understand that there is so much more going on. We have to ask a bigger question when it comes to how we walk in our Christian walk and how we interact amongst brothers and sisters. We cannot take our cue from our brothers and sisters because if we take that cue and, and the reason why we do good things or the reasons why we give mercy is, is a direct result of what we receive, then that's not the kingdom of God. That's just reacting like everyone else. We have to ask a better question. You see, Jesus taught us to live beyond ourselves. He taught us to ask a bigger question when it comes to how we interact amongst each other. And here's the question. The question is not what can I get out of this? It's a deeper question. It's who do I want to be? See, a limited view is asking, what can I get out of this situation? A view of eternity is asking the question, who do I want to be? See, someone once said there are two types of people in the world. There's givers and there's takers. There's some people who see the world as something that they need to squeeze out as much benefit as they can for themselves. And then there are other people 
who asked the opposite question. How can I squeeze myself out to be able to give in to the world as much as possible? So the question is, who do you, you want to be? Who do I want to be in this world? Are we going to take the right that we have, the right that we have to retaliate, or are we going to be givers of mercy? Because that's how we make the difference. That's how we're different from, from the rest. I mean, if not, we're just churchgoers. We just come to church, and we read the Bible. But these are the things that make us different. These are the things that have people ask the question, why would he do that? Like, he, there was nothing in it for him. That's what makes the difference, and people begin to wonder. They're up to something else. There's something real going. I may not even agree with what they're, they're, they're preaching, but there's something real about how they're interacting with each other. There's, something, there's a bigger picture. There's something else that they're looking at when they interact, when they respond, when they receive, as they give mercy. All these decisions that they're making, and then people on the outside look into the inside of what we're doing. They're, they're like, man, there is something different about these people. And the call is not for us to fake it, because we could all fake it for a while. The honest truth is we have to have a bigger perspective, understanding that we are in this. This world is just like that. We're going to be out of here. 80 years, if we're lucky, if we're healthy, if we make, you know, what we, what we don't know. But we have a view of eternity, and we understand that we will receive mercy. Not today. There might be a person that will give you mercy, and you're like, okay, that's just a bonus. But the mercy that is promised to us is the mercy that we get from God, the other side of eternity. That's what sustains us. This is so important, and I'm going to end with this. It says, uh, Hebrews 4.15, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, for we do not have a high priest. We're talking about Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. You see, Jesus knew humiliation. Jesus was slapped on the face. Jesus was spat on. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was nailed on a cross. If anyone in this world had the power and the right to retaliate, it was Jesus. But he did not. He was quiet. He took it. And it would be crazy for us to think that that was an act of weakness. It was not. It was the most powerful thing that anyone could ever do. It was the most defiant thing. It was the most system-shocking thing that anyone has ever done. And the result is that he was given a name that was above every other name. And this is how we're called to live. You see, there are three types of people in this room. Either you're just coming out of a situation that was humiliating you're in a situation that's humiliating or you're going to walk into a situation that's humiliating. And the question is, how are we going to react? Are we going to respond in the same way that, is, that, that we're receiving the situation or are we going to give mercy? Even if that person does not deserve it. But the only way to do this is having a perspective of eternity, understanding that the big question isn't what can I get out of it? The question is who, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be?
So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. This is a moment for us. We think about what we've heard and the situation that we're in. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just bow your head. And honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know what, you, what it is that you're going through right now. I know some situations. I don't know all the situations. But maybe you're here and you're just going through a tough time. Maybe you're going through a situation that is just unfair. Maybe you're in a situation of violence in your house, injustice in the workplace. Maybe you're being abused. Maybe you've lost hope. Maybe there's someone in your life that just took an opportunity that was meant for you. You're just having a hard time. And in this situation, you have two choices. One, you can take the path of retaliation and just trying to get even. And that may even seem to you like the strong option. But you've learned this morning that that is actually the weak one. Because you're letting him or her or them set the rules. I want to invite you to shock the system and to understand that that we stand up for something different. And we can ask the bigger question in light of eternity. Who do I want to be in this situation? And so if this is you and you're having a hard time right now and you just need, you just need me to pray for you real quick, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. Just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Amen. 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 Lord God, we just thank you this morning for, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you truly teach us how to live. And I pray, God, that you will allow us to understand that you've shown us such incredible mercy. And in return, we don't even scratch the surface of what you've given us, God. And so I pray, Lord, as we think about this and we think about you and we think about the situations that we're in right now, that as we think about maybe someone in our life or people in our lives or situations in our lives that seem unfair and we seem to feel that we have the right to retaliate or to, to give back in the same way that it's been given to us, Lord, that we'll understand that there's a, there's a bigger, there's more going on. And that we'll decide to make the right choice, Lord. Understanding that we're part of something much bigger, God. I pray for this, Lord. I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.